Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast. As always, I'm Colin. And this is Austin. And Austin, do you know what season it is? Do you know what season is is almost upon us here? Silly season? I mean, it's always silly season. Draft season? No. Spring? Almost. Uh, out of guesses? I'm out of guesses. Wedding season. I have a wedding coming up tomorrow. On already. a Friday? Um, well, I'll be leaving for a wedding. It's in Erie. Okay. I just want to, you were always giving me crap for being, going on so many, we- like having so many weddings last year. Well, the thing about them is I don't believe you because I know you don't have any friends. <laughs> so it's so confusing to me that you all of a sudden get, you don't have that much family. Your brother's not married. Your brother, you know, I'm good friends with your brother. Like, I, I feel like you're just full of shit. Uh, no, this is the, this is the first of four weddings this year for me. Uh, they all Becca's friends? They're not. No, this one is, this one's a cousin. Okay. Yeah, that I've never met. He goes to a different school. Yeah, she. Yeah. She. I, no, you actually might have met her. Met her. Um, she went to uh, Junietta. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so you know who she is. She's real. She's a real I'm gonna person. D- I'm going to DM her to find out if this is real or not. <laughs> She's a real person. No, but um, yeah, wedding season is upon us here. Springs. So I just. Uh, so I got to gear up to do a bunch of shows by myself. Uh, not a bunch, just some, just a couple. My just my best ready. friend's getting married on a Wednesday. I know that's the night we podcast. That's you. Well, you know, we actually do have a friend who's getting married on a Wednesday. Who the fuck gets married on a Wednesday? Pat. Oh, well, yeah, I'm gonna be drunk <laughs> though. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I told he's you, already we had married a, too. So we had a wedding. Yeah, I told you we had the wedding on a Wednesday though. Um, all right. Enough wedding talk. Um, I get enough of that at home. Um, but before we jump in here, uh, this is, but when you're listening to this, it's going to be tomorrow, 4-1, April Fool's Day. This is not an April Fool's joke. You have until the end of the day today to sign up for a walk-on membership at our website, campus2canton.com, and you will be grandfathered into tier two access scholarship level access for the walk-on price of $29.99 in perpetuity until you cancel you will or or die um although if it's paypal actually we we like paypal is a separate entity and that's actually just going to keep charging you so um but enough paypal issues we don't need to get into that um so you will get tier two access for $29.99 you have till the end of the day to do that um, it's only for the yearly. Go to the website, campustocanton.com. Sign up for that today. Um, you will also get a copy of our freshman and supplemental guide, which is on sale now. You'll get a copy of that if you sign up for that as well uh, for tier two or higher. Um, the, the guide will be sold separately as well, $20 there if you want to stay monthly, but want access to the guide as well. Or if you don't want a membership at all, just want the guide, 20 bucks. Um, but you have to the end of the day. Or if you don't want any of that, then <laughs> just keep working your way down. No, I'm not. That's, okay. that's not an option. That's, that's not an option. Okay. That's yeah. The okay. Yeah. If you're listening to this, go get one of them. You have to yep. do it. Yep. It's just obligatory. But um, before we jump into the podcast here, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great pods, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, Triple Play Fantasy Podcast, The Preferred Line Podcast, the FFB Familia Podcast, and the Fantasy Points Podcast. You can follow them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live or check out Friday Drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Uh, So this week, we are much, much lighter on the news. Last two weeks, very, very news heavy. Uh, This week, not as much going on, but there's a couple stories here. First one, Bruce Arians retires. Very sudden. Uh, They announced Todd Bowles as the head coach there. He will take over immediately. Todd Bowles was the defensive coordinator there. 
uh, previously a head coach of the New York Jets. So he has some experience. Um, but Bruce Arians decided to retire now um, because he said, quote, succession is way more important to him than pursuing another ring as the Buccaneers head coach. Uh, he wants to make sure that his longtime assistant and friend, Todd Bowles, uh, who was the defensive coordinator when Arians was in Arizona as well, uh, he wants him to take over a head coach of a Super Bowl contender. He wants him to be set up for success. And I think that's incredibly admirable. But what are your thoughts on this whole saga? Yeah, I think it's um, it's a really good thing. Um, I think it's really interesting that he chose Bulls and not Leftwich, which some people have wanted to make into a controversy. But like you said, you know, he his uh, his time with Bulls goes back to Arizona. I think a lot of people forget that. Um, I think a lot of people seem to have an issue with Todd Bulls, um, quote unquote, failing as a head coach. I think there's a big difference between calling somebody like a retread head coach, um, you know, like a like a failure and somebody who like he was with the Jets. The Jets really haven't been a model franchise for years. They didn't have a quarterback. Um, they they drafted extremely poorly. None of that was on on Todd Bowles. I think they actually probably outperformed expectations for a large portion of the time he was there. I mean, I don't know if he ever would have made them a great team or not, but I don't you know, I don't I think he was a much better coach than his uh, sub 500 record indicates. So I think it's a, a a really good hire for him, a guy that they can really bounce back. If he fails here, I think you know he's he's not going to get another job. But I think it's a good it, it, it's good in good hands. The players I think probably like Todd Bowles. Um, I don't think it's due to a Tom Brady Bruce Arians uh, rift, uh, as some seem to want to speculate. Um, and I do think that Tom Brady plays there this year to answer any sort of uh, potential follow up. Uh, questions before you even ask them suck on you're that tr- you're trying to you're trying to jump trying to jump questions there we're speed running the show tonight Colin. if i'm not done in 25 minutes <laughs> swear just quit um well i think we're gonna be looking for a new co-host then uh but <laughs> <Bye-bye>. <laughs> um yeah no i don't buy the whole arians brady rift either um arians is kind of a not fiery, but he's a, he's passionate, um, you know, and there's rumors of him, you know, he's not afraid to, to tell Brady when he's wrong. And I think that Brady actually probably respects that a lot, but he, you know, in the interview, uh, the, the press conference there where he retired, he did address that, you know, he said they have a great relationship. Um, he said he, you know, he's will, you know, he cusses everybody out. Um, that's not anything new. So, you know, Brady included, but he says they have a great relationship. Um, as soon as Brady retired, you know, he was texting him all the time. Um, and so I don't think that has anything to do with it. The most interesting part for me is is kind of what you touched on there. And that's that it wasn't Byron Leftwich that got the, the job. And, and I don't think that that's a slight on Byron Leftwich at all. I think that just more speaks to the relationship that Arians had with Todd Bowles, Todd Bowles' previous head coaching experience, you know, and I think that says more about Bowles than it does left, which I don't think it's an indictment on him, but I'm sure he probably feels a little bit slighted here. Um, You know, he's still going to be the OC for this coming year, but he's been rumored to be involved in head coaching searches for the past couple cycles here. Um, Do you think he's definitely out the door then after this year? For him to be out the door, though, it means that he probably has to get another job. I don't think he wants to move laterally. Like he would have to finally get his head coaching gig, right? Is that going to happen? I don't know. He got close this time around, uh, only missing out reportedly on the Jacksonville job because he said he didn't want to work with Trent Balky. You can't um, blame him there. Seems to be <laughs> looking like a better, better, better every single day. Um, so maybe, like, I, I don't. I think Bruce Arians. You know, a guy that kind of really jump-started both of these two individuals' coaching careers. Mm-hmm. You'd have to think that he sat down and talked with each of them. You know, maybe not to <laughs> probably invite them both into a room. Is, One of you is about to get the uh, breaks uh, a pool <laughs> stick and throws it in the middle. <laughs> well, not even that. But like one of you is about to get a giant windfall, and the other one maybe not so much. Um, but like I'm sure he talked to us both of them and said, you know, I, I can only I'm, I'm going to step down. I can only give one of you. I mean, I think it honestly would be really cool 
to have a coaching staff that like it comes from his coaching tree and like the whole staff is like minority coaches. Like I think mm-hmm. that'd be really, really cool. Um, Cause we don't, I mean, Pittsburgh has actually had a pretty heavy minority uh, coach presence on their roster with Tomlin there, but they haven't had like a full, like it'd be really cool. You know, they bring in a, you know, whatever defensive coordinator and like all the assistants and, you know, maybe a, a woman or two on staff as well. Um, so um It'd be cool if they both stayed there and kind of I, I don't know what their relationship is, Bulls and uh and uh and Leftwich. I'd imagine it's fairly amicable, but you know, he probably isn't super happy that Bowles got it and he didn't. But yeah, that's the, the you touched on one thing with Arians there, and that's you know, he's always made um diversity a pretty big um focus of his coaching staff and i don't i don't think it's diversity just for diversity's sake i mean i think he wants to give legitimately talented minorities a uh you know an option and an outlet and uh you know a path forward something that's something that the bucks franchise too has done um so one thing i saw when i was looking into this is the bucks have had uh four or two minority head coaches in the past like four uh that have been there and I think it goes back even further than that. So they've had Lovey Smith there too. Um, so they have had a track record of, you know, promoting diversity there. And I think that, you know, with everything going on with the Brian Flores story um, and everything like that, I think that that's a, a, another admirable thing there about the Bucks And their division rival, the Falcons. So I don't often say very nice things about them. As you shouldn't. Um, speaking of division rivals for the Falcons, uh, well, actually, bef- before we move on, does, this doesn't impact the offense for you at all. This doesn't knock Tom Brady or anything like that. It's pretty much status quo there for you. I mean, it sounds like um, Bruce wasn't even necessarily calling the plays anyway last year, right? Or or um, <clears throat> or like it wasn't like the, the relationship more seemed to be like Tom and, and Byron left. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I doubt this really changes that much with, with, with everything going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I agree. I just wanted to make sure I addressed that before moving on, but moving on uh, within the same division there, uh, Panthers GM uh, Scott Fitterer uh, hints that they're probably looking at a quarterback here in the top 10. Um, I don't think it's anything that's necessarily shocking, uh, but he said, quote, at some point you have to take a shot, especially in the top 10 uh, when he was talking about drafting a quarterback there. Um, I think that that's pretty much to be expected given that they've missed on a lot of the free agents or trade targets here um, and that they do still have a pretty big hole there. You know, Sam Darnold fell apart towards the end of the year. I think losing McCaffrey definitely played a role in that. Um, you know, he lost kind of like a, the running game and the check down option there, but you know, he wasn't good. And I think it's time that I think they're going to be looking to move on here, but is there a quarterback that you think is worthy of being selected and, sixth overall and if so who do you think they go with there no i don't think there is what it sounds like they've they've locked in on either pickett or or uh, willis seems like the smoke i don't know how they are generally with forecasting their intentions like that's the fun thing about being a steelers fan i mean i am also a lifelong rams fan but you know i live here in pittsburgh so yeah uh, you know, i do what i gotta do sure um they, you pretty much always know like within like two or three players who they're gonna take um, which is a lot of fun. I don't know uh, exactly what level of subterfuge uh, the Panthers are using, but yeah, I feel like it's either Pickett or or Willis. I wouldn't take either there personally. I think I've been pretty vocal about um, my displeasure with this quarterback class as a whole. Um, not saying what doesn't end up being decent. I just don't care enough to guess which one it's going to be. Like that game is not fun to me. Um, so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think it, I feel really good about either of those guys for uh, for DJ Moore's sake. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's. I don't feel good about forecasting which quarterback's going to be successful from this class. I mean, I think one of these quarterbacks is going to have a, a successful future, whether it's you know Willis or Pickett or Howell, Matt Corral potentially. Sorry, Desmond Ritter, um, but there's not like a clear cut like top option. And that's actually something that 
um, GM Scott Fitterer mentioned in that interview as well. He said it's a unique quarterback class because there's not a clear one, two, three. Um, there's not somebody who's a proven starter who can come in and play for you right away. Um, he said that's going to be a conversation that they have. Um, you know, it seems like they're looking at quarterback or left tackle based on this. So I think that they're going to go quarterback because I think that they're in trouble right now. I think Matt rules job is on the line. Uh, you know, things didn't really go that well with Joe Brady, who is a guy that a lot of people liked as in a hot up and coming name. And I don't think that he tarnished it that much. You know, at least from my perspective, I don't really know about the NFL circles, but you know, I think a lot of that the issues stem from Matt Rule. Uh, I think he's probably just a better college coach than he is a pro coach. But I think Matt Rule's going to need to try and save his job. And a lot of times, when teams are desperate and they're trying to save a job, they go for quarterback early. They take a big swing. Yeah, I would just have a really hard time. Like, okay, if you're going to put all your your eggs in one basket because you're going to lose your job over it. Like, I feel like, I guess I would rather just swing for the fences with Malik Willis than take like the, the Kenny pick. Like Kenny Pickett just barely has an NFL arm. Mm -hmm. I think I see some people talking about him having a really good arm as someone who's seen him play live in person multiple times, then obviously watched him a lot on TV. I don't think his arm is like, he, if he is, if, if conditions are not great, the ball does not get there. It, it dies. Um, including a bunch that he just kind of like threw into the dirt, like just totally short armed guys this year. And one, like, you know, those, those throws where you, the quarterback, it's kind of like a little comeback or something. And the only spot the quarterback can put it is like at the wide receiver's feet. And they kind of got to come back and get down or like he, you have to be able to like fire that in at a trajectory. He can't do it. It hits the ground because he can't get it there. Cause he doesn't have the, the, you know, the, the whatever on his arm. Um, so like I, I, if you're a coaching like that, that's going to get somebody fired. If you take Kenny Pickett in the first 20 picks of the draft, you're going to get fired within two years. Uh, it's just that's how it's going to be. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I I don't I'm wasn't really a big Kenny Pickett believer. I mean, what 50 year guy doesn't break out till his fifth year? You know, how many of those guys actually go on to be successful? You know, he wasn't bad in his first couple of years at Pitt. And I mean, you can speak to that better than I can, but he wasn't anybody that anybody was talking about getting drafted. And then all of a sudden in his fifth year, he has this meteoric rise to the fifth round or to the first round. It colored me skeptical on that one. So I think Malik Willis would probably be the pick there and the play. Um, you know, I, I don't feel great about any of these quarterbacks. I think Sam Howell's the safest, but I don't think in the top six, if you're trying to fight for your job, I don't think you go with the safest. And there doesn't seem to be nearly as much buzz around Howell in the NFL circles as there does in the fantasy circles. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I missing on one, like just not taking a quarterback from one class isn't going to kill your rosters. If it's a campus to Canton league, I'm trying to think, I don't even really have any of these guys on campus to Canton rosters. Like I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm actually trying to think of if I have a quarterback in any league I I have one league with Matt Corral. I think that's it. I think that's it. I just kind of avoided this class. Mm -hmm. I had one with Carson Strong, um, but I traded him um, back, you know, senior bowl time. Um, so I, you know, and then he's kind of faded since there as well. Um, but I don't think he's, I don't think Carson Strong is significantly worse than Kenny Pickett, to be honest. Oh, you know, if, I do, but for completely different reasons. If I'm taking a gamble on where a, a gamble on one of them at where they're projected to get drafted right now, I will take Carson Strong in the second over Pickett in the first. I was I'm trying to cut down on like speaking in total absolutes and saying like you know if you like oh, the, Luke I Warm don't, Austin shocker shut the fuck up. I don't do it. <laughs> I don't do it that often, um, but I'm trying to do it less and be less like judgy. If people you know, like, uh, I, I don't, you know, the other you. opinion or whatever. You're trying to be less judgy. Shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> and Carson Strong is one where I just feel so strongly that he's a bum. Like I, I would be shocked if he's in the NFL four years from now. 
I don't think he's any good. I'm not impressed at all with his college tape. Um, I think he really struggles. Again, this is different than calling him like a statue or like he just struggles when there's noise around him, like really, really bad. Um, and then all the stuff that I'm hearing on top of it of like he was a douche at the senior bowl. Uh, that, he did an interview well at the combine. Like, I don't want this dude anywhere near like any roster that like the I don't want him on the Steelers. Obviously, don't want him on the Rams. I right. don't I don't want him on my fantasy teams. Like this dude is just a bum. <laughs> I, and I don't feel bad saying that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I did forget about the whiteboard stuff from the combine. Uh, and at the senior bowl too, where he reportedly like couldn't diagnose a play. And so maybe I just haven't watched like the right Carson strong stuff, but everyone says that he's like really sharp at the line, but I think that his sharpness at the line was literally like it's off coverage. We throw this little bubble screen. If they're on, then we run the play. Like, I don't think what he was adjusting at the line from what I watched was like that complex. Um, Maybe that's just me. And maybe I just wasn't watching the right stuff, but that's like, People say like he's the smartest guy, and I'm like, I mean, like in terms of like being pro ready, I I did not really see that from him. I thought it, most of it was just super basic stuff. I mean, I guess kudos that he's been asked to do that. I don't know how much you know some of these other guys have. Malik Willis wasn't. Yeah, um, that's fair. Not to say Malik, Malik Willis, Willis is an idiot or not, just like no. he was not asked to do that. So, yeah, agreed. Um, all right, well. Before you tell me to shut the fuck up again, uh, let's move on to the next topic here. Um, <laughs> you knew I was feisty coming into this, and you just—I did. I pushing did. my buttons, poking the bear. Um, Kyle Shanahan, in an interview, said he is ready for Lance to be the starting quarterback. Um, he, yeah, he said that's why they looked into trading Jimmy because they believe Trey can be a starter, and they're ready to do that. Um, he said, if they can't upgrade their team in another way, they're not just going to get rid of a good quarterback, um, because good quarterbacks are really hard to come by. So it doesn't sound like they're just going to trade Jimmy G for pennies, but it sounds like even if Jimmy G is on the roster, they are moving with Trey Lance. They are ready for him to take over. When you hear a coach say that this early in the off season, I think there's a lot of smoke behind that. Um, with that in mind, what do we think the future of Jimmy G is here? I mean, he's coming off of that surgery. They're not going to trade him for pennies on the dollar by the sounds, by the sounds of things. They may just keep him and use him as a backup. I think they have to, they really blew it. I think they over uh, overplayed their hand. I think we talked about this. I don't know if it was last week or it might've been when the Carson Wentz trade happened. We were saying like mm. the amount of places that he can go is really starting to narrow itself. And I think now they're at the point where what teams have an opening a quarterback that like aren't just in position to take a guy in the draft that like, I don't know, would you rather take, obviously like, you know, at some point it comes about cost, but you know, would you rather take a quarterback, your choice of quarterback at 10, like the Panthers or trade a third for jimmy g and take on the contract you know like and they're already eating if i remember correctly sam darnold's still fairly expensive with them i don't know if they're i think maybe they're done paying cam newton now um so like you know there, there's not that many teams around the league that that need a guy now like they just they totally thought there was going to be a market for this guy and everyone was like yeah we're not paying that i'll go get carson wentz who isn't any worse <laughs> than that guy for like a trade down in the third or whatever like they gave up like nothing like they uh, they just overplay that hand like crazy yeah there are like you said there's really not that many spots where he can go at this point carolina kind of the obvious one there um you know i i think that atlanta should at least still kick the tires on that because my marcus mariota is not it um you know, and if you don't have to trade much for him now, Atlanta's eating a huge contract from Matt Ryan, so they probably can't really afford to take on another one. But contract stuff aside, I think Jimmy G is a serviceable quarterback. I mean, he played in a Super Bowl. You know, he's good enough to get you there. He's good enough to not lose you games. Um, and I think that he's still a he's still definitely a starting caliber quarterback in this league. Um, 
which should fetch something. Um, now, like you said, you know, you got to have a buyer on the other end of that. So I think it is a, uh, it is a buyer's market right now at this point in time for quarterbacks. It was a seller's. It's now a buyer's. Yeah, for sure. It's not like these are good quarterbacks. It's just, you're choosing the best of the mm-hmm. poopy options. And now it's down to like no poopy <laughs> options left. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, that's really going to do it for news there for us. Pretty light on the news this week. Uh, but just kind of recapping everything that's going on this offseason. I mean, we follow the news. We brought it to you pretty much every week. Um, but just bringing it all back, wrapping it all up, putting a nice little bow on it from a fantasy perspective, kind of do a stock recap here. Um, some biggest risers, some of the biggest fallers here for you. So we'll start it off. I'll kick it over to you. Who is one of your biggest risers after all of the events of this crazy offseason that you really want to highlight? I mean, I think the big one has to be Jared Judy. And we talked a little bit about it when we talk, talked about the uh, the Russell Wilson trade. I know you, you're one of your answers here is Russell Wilson. So I think we can kind of talk about these in conjunction with each other. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I spoiled that. Um, the people you were really, you really built up the suspense then. And I just, I know, you know, I crapped all over it. Um, I was going to. We talked a lot about how it's kind of weird because Cortland Sutton is the bigger bodied guy, but I think he fits more into like how they're like they're going to use him similarly to Tyler Lockett as kind of a field stretcher type guy for him. Obviously, different stylistically, but but I think that's kind of going to be the role. And then Jerry Judy going to be a little more the underneath guy. I think just by sheer volume, I think Jerry Judy is going to see a huge bump. And to be honest, like I just think, and maybe this is slightly take lock but i just like i was not a big fan of Cortland sutton coming out of college he had that one really good year obviously the knee injury um kind of slowed any momentum that he had but i just don't really believe in Cortland sutton long term as like a legitimate consistent fantasy option whereas with jerry judy like looked really really good before he went down with that injury we all said when it happened like it was a really bad ankle sprain like literally everybody was going you know well, whatever happens this year, we basically can't ding Jerry Judy for it because even if he comes back, he's still going to be suffering from this injury. And then everyone over the past couple months has completely forgotten that and continued to beat him up over it. I think Judy, now his price has rebounded with this trade to the point where he probably like isn't a value at all, but like he's already risen so much. And I think if I still can get the chance to buy him, uh, at a reasonable cost, like I, I think there is not a re- a ridiculous chance of him being a top twelve to fifteen wide receiver next year, just based on how prolific I think that offense can be in the division that you have to be able to score the ball. Like they're at least six games out of the year, probably going to be shootouts. So those things factor in. Obviously, the improved quarter quarterback play defenses can't focus on him uh, solely. I think it, he is primed for a big year. Now, if he doesn't do it next year and he doesn't get injured, okay, then I'll get off the Jerry Judy train. So I do uh, realize that he's a riskier proposition because he doesn't have a top season to fall back on like Cortland Sutton has that one season. <laughs> um, but I feel pretty good that he's that's not going to happen, barring again, barring injury. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you highlighted Judy here, too, because he's definitely a guy that I was considering. Um, you know, I, I think, and I'll just kind of use this as a little bit of a segue into my topic. Uh, you know, I think the, the addition of Russell Wilson there, uh, you know, the what is, what's the saying? A rising tide raises all boats or all ships, something along those lines. And I think that bringing in Russell Wilson is the tide there. I think he raises that entire offense a lot. Um, so just by that virtue alone, I think Jerry Judy's Jerry Judy's value rises. Now I think that you, that's kind of being baked into the price. But like you said, I don't the, the ceiling is not necessarily being baked in at this point. And I do think he has a fringe wide receiver one ceiling this year. You know, I could see him being in that wide receiver ten to twelve range by the you know by the end of the year. Um. You know, I think that Russell Wilson is going to be allowed to pass the ball more in this Denver offense than he really ever was in Seattle, at least for any sustainable stretch. 
you know, they had that let Russ cook stretch where he just went off. But I think, you know, it's going to be more, it's going to be a more balanced offense here where Seattle always seemed to just want to fall back on, you know, Chris Carson, Marshawn Lynch, whoever the running back was at that time. Um, so I think that this raises Russell Wilson's stock as well to the point where, you know, he's 33 years old. We tend to look at things in like a two to three year window. Russ Wilson, I could see him being a top three to five fantasy quarterback this year. Um, you know, I, I think that he is primed for one of the biggest seasons of his career. Top three to five. Do you think uh, Russ at his uh, age gets a lot of rushing upside at all? Or do you think it's just kind of like a Stafford situation? I think it's a little bit more of the Stafford situation. Obviously, Russell Wilson's more mobile than Stafford. Um, so he's going to just by virtue of being of having that ability, he's going to pick up some rushing yards here and there. Uh, but I, I don't, he's obviously not going to be a Kyler. He's not going to be even really like a Rogers or anybody like that. I think probably maybe like the Dak rushing tier somewhere along those ranges. Pre snapping in half. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I know Dak was buoyed a lot by some rushing touchdown luck uh, in his first couple years there. So, you know, but, but yardage wise, I think that's probably where we're looking at for Russ Wilson in terms of rushing volume. So it's going to give, it's going to boost his floor up a little bit, but I think it's mostly going to be like a Matt Stafford situation where it just, he's in a much better situation. I don't think that's that ridiculous. Um, Stafford is a that's bit one of the more nicest of a, things you've said. Well, yeah, you stopped pushing my buttons um, for now. So <laughs> um, not seeing red anymore. Um, Stafford's a little more of a gunslinger which I think probably helped him a little bit more like into like, they're like, let it loose. And he was like, Oh yeah. Or I think they tell it to Russell Wilson's like indubitably, like he just, <laughs> he's just like, okay, I can do that. But he won't like let loose, let loose like Matt Stafford did. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think it's ridiculous to, that he has a nice, uh, a nice season if he stays healthy. In fact, I think it's pretty, pretty locked in that he's be, he'd be, you know, at worst like seventh or eighth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like I said, you know, he's 33. So we look in two to three year windows. I think he's still going to be performing at this same level in two to three years. I think he's a very safe fantasy asset moving forward. Um, who is your other big riser here? Oh man. So you, um, I, this is the, the fun here. one. Yeah. So I, I know what the intent of this question was. Um, I put a player that's not in the NFL yet. I put Traylon Burks. And here's why I'm saying this. Um, Traylon Burks was my wide receiver one pre-process. Um, for those that, that know me at this point, know that my rankings don't change at all based on combine or anything else that happens in the offseason. What is is at that point? Um, so he's still my wide receiver one. But here's why... I think he's a riser. I think he's a riser because he's hurt his stock just enough where now he's guaranteed to fall to the Cowboys, and you know Jerry Jones cannot help himself. (laughs) He's going to slot in as the wide receiver, too, on the Dallas Cowboys, an offense that is pretty darn prolific. He's going to go to a place where he's not doesn't have to be the alpha, um, but he certainly can grow into that. Uh, He gets to work with a franchise quarterback. Um, He gets to work with Jerry, like, for a team that, like, never is going to give him up because of his Arkansas connection to Jerry Jones. <laughs> um, like all these things I think are really, really good for him. And like, it's so obvious that he's going there, right? Like, no, we all know that if he's there, pick 24, the Cowboys take him. I would, if you're giving me odds, I would bet on that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like they're so transparent with like, they're there. So Pittsburgh is like strategically transparent and the Cowboys are just like stupidly transparent with who they're going to take a lot of the time. And I think that it's really obvious that if he's there, they take him. So I think it's, this has been like a really, really nice win-win for him. You know, maybe he hopes that, uh, you know, Jamison Williams goes to some bum ass team at like nine or 10 or 11 or something. And then, you know, and then uh, Garrett Wilson goes wherever, and then he just falls and that would be the best thing for him. And it'd be really, really good for the Cowboys. And, close to home like all these things are just really really good for him everything's coming up trail on this offseason 
even though it doesn't look like it yet. This is some galaxy brain stuff here. That is that is definitely some galaxy brain stuff. I mean, I'll be honest. When I said uh, it was a couple of weeks ago at this point um, that I thought there was a better chance that uh, Traylon Burks falls. I'm trying to think. I remember how I phrase this, but there's better chance that Traylon Burks falls out of the first than there was Jameson Williams falling out of the first after that combine. I believe that was how I phrased it. I didn't really think about the Cowboys and Jerry Jones connection and his floor pretty much being at 24. So I think that Cowboys are, I think Jerry Jones is, is the type of guy who is willing to take him there at 24 um, no matter what. And I think that, like you said, this off season, he's hurt his stock just enough that I think there's a very, very good chance that he's available at that point. I would actually, at this point in time, be surprised if he's not available there. Same so then, so then if the Cowboys are his floor at 24, I mean, that's a very good floor. I mean, we already know that they can support two fantasy-wide receivers. Um, you know, him and C.D. Lamb, that's a dangerous offensive pairing. Yeah, very different players, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that'd be a really fun uh, duo. And I think, I think he works, his game would work well with Dak too. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't have any doubts on that. No, I don't either. And you know, uh, Michael Gallup got hurt late in the year. So I don't think he's going to be ready at the beginning of the year. So that's going to open the door for Burks. If he does go to Dallas. Now, like you said, this is some galaxy brain stuff. There's some projection here, but I like it. Thank you. Uh, thank you for bringing the, bringing the take this time. Mm-hmm. Um, Anything for you? My, second riser here uh, is Juju Smith-Schuster. And he's a guy that both you and I are higher on than most in the fantasy community. I think that he, his, we probably saw his best season. Um, Was that year two, I think, with AB there as well? Uh, I think that was probably the best season we see out of him. That was a fantastic year. Um, But I think he's going to get very close to those numbers this year, operating as the number one wide receiver in Kansas City. Uh, obviously, Travis Kelsey is going to be the de facto one, but he is very, very clearly the best second option on that team. I don't think much of Marquez Valdez-Scantling at all, but he if he does one thing well, it's he stretches the field, and that's going to open some stuff up underneath for Juju, and I think that that's going to be create a great opportunity for him. He's going to be working with the best quarterback in the league in one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, it's a one year kind of a rehab deal for him, but I think this is going to be a fantastic year for him. Maybe, maybe who's to say we talked about this last week, two weeks ago, last week. Um, my only concern about it is that him and Kelsey kind of work the same areas of the field. So I'll be interested to see exactly how they navigate that. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to be really good there too. I love Juju. Yeah, I do too. And I think he's still going. I think he's still a value at this point. Um, people do see the Kansas city wide receiver one name, but I haven't really heard that much hype about him yet. So I am actively trying to acquire him in a lot of places. Oh yeah, I haven't seen him moved in any leagues yet, but I have not either. Um, but two more, a couple more honorable mentions here. Um, other guys that I think worth mentioning here for big risers. Uh, first one, Austin Hooper, uh, getting cut from the Browns, going to Tennessee. Tennessee is an offense that likes to use the tight end. Um, you know, they didn't really have anybody last year. They had Anthony Ferkser, but. You know, I think Austin Hooper is still a talented receiving tight end option at tight end. Uh, they brought in Robert Woods, but he's another guy who got hurt late in the year. So I think it's going to be a little bo- a little while before he is ready to go. I think Austin Hooper could be the number two option in that passing attack early on in the year, uh, which is a big boost from where he was when he was in Cleveland. Maybe, yeah. Um, the other one, um, Allen Robinson going to the Rams. Uh, Robert Woods is uh, is out of the way as well. It's really just Robinson and Cup for right now. Now, obviously, they could still re-sign Odell. It seems like that's maybe where the wind's blowing at this point in time. But 
Odell, another guy hurt late in the year. Going to be a while for him to get back on the field. I think Allen Robinson still had, despite the last year that he saw in um, Chicago, I think he still has still has a good amount left in the tank. So he's another big stock up. And then last one is Tua. I mean, he has arguably the two most dynamic wide receivers in the league in Waddle and Hill. Uh, they brought in Cedric Wilson, who's a solid option on the outside. Devontae Parker's still there. Mike Gesicki's back. They have a ton, a ton of weapons for him. And he just has to distribute, just like he did at Alabama. So I think it's a big stock up for him, too. Yeah, why not? I mean, they're both uh, flourish in the short passing game, and that's kind of his thing. So why yeah. not? I think they've done a very good job of playing to Tua's strengths. We'll I see agree. if the line is is any better next year, but yeah, I agree. Uh, but it can't all be can't all be sunshine here. Um, who is one of the big fallers for you this offseason? Uh, I only think of really one right now, um, and, and it's Visca. Um, you no know, new coaching staff. Um, we're two coaching staffs into into <laughs> what uh, he came into. Um, he hasn't been great yet and they sign a super expensive slot guy. And I think by this point, we're pretty sure Visca can't play boundary. He didn't really do it successfully in college. Uh, and he's very much been typecast there in the slot in the NFL. Um, so uh, the thing about it is it's weird is that I think like Kirk in the slot, you want him to work a little deeper and, and Visca, you probably want to work a little shallower. Um, so like it's not like they're not the same role, but I just think it's the same position. I maybe you know new offense coordinator doesn't necessarily prefer what Visca can do. Like I and we don't even know if he's good. Like I think he was a very polarizing polarizing prospect coming out. Um, I think he was my wide receiver seven in the class, wide receiver eight. Sounds um, about right. He had a pretty solid, like decent grade for me, but like I, he just had a lot of like he's one of those guys where like the, the build and what he can do doesn't necessarily always fit. Like, like they don't fit together and he, he's kind of an odd eval. Like I, I could see him going somewhere else and maybe having a little bit of success, but I, I think, yeah, his time there is done. I actually think he could be a buy just cause you hope that he gets cut or gets traded or whatever and goes somebody else. He turns into, you know, what is what somebody threw away. He turns into somebody else's treasure. I, I think there's a scenario that that happens. I mean, I wouldn't bank on it, but, could he be Cordero Patterson ish? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I could possibly see that. I mean, I think if you're going to go that route, I don't think now is quite yet the time to buy. I don't think that stock has dipped low enough yet. There's still some truthers out there. Once you hear buzz in camp coming from, you know, oh, Kirk is playing the slot and they have Marvin Jones on the outside and all these other options are looking better and Visca's name gets forgotten. And then by week two or three of the year, he hasn't done anything. I think that's probably the time you take that type of a dart throw, at least personally. Hmm. Why not? I mean, yeah, he's like a throw in now. I think you mm-hmm. can get him as like a oh, toss in LaVisca and the guy will be like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a throw. And I'd, and I'd rather, especially like in this class, like if you're with a throw in is between him or like a, a 22 third, I'd rather have him. Yeah, for sure. Um, my biggest follower here is Tyler Lockett. And, you know, I think that that kind of goes without saying when you lose a quarterback of the caliber of Russ, obviously there's going to be a stock down. But I think a lot of Tyler Lockett's value, at least from a fantasy perspective, was tied into his connection with Russell Wilson. Just he just and Russell Wilson just always seemed to be on the same page. I'm not saying Tyler Lockett's not a talented wide receiver. But I think he overperformed his talent level from a fantasy perspective just because of how good Russell Wilson was, how efficient Russell Wilson was, and the connection that they had together. So he's out of town. They have another guy on the opposite side in DK Metcalf, who is probably more talented overall as a wide receiver. And then the in comes Drew Locke. Now, obviously, Seattle needs a quarterback as well. 49ers are obviously not trading Jimmy G to Seattle. So that's out. So they're pretty much rolling with Drew Locke or going to draft one. And I don't really think that highly of anybody in the draft. Don't really think that highly of Drew Locke. The Drew Locke specialty is more of the deep ball than the underneath stuff. So, 
I mean, I, and I don't think he's particularly accurate. I think it's a huge downgrade in quarterback. If I have Tyler Lockett, I'm a little nervous. Um, do you think they trade DK Metcalf? There's been some, I mean, some like, you know, mm-hmm. loose rumors that the Jets were yeah. looking at him or, or somebody else. I don't think the Chiefs are going to do it, but um, who knows? Yeah, there's some loose rumors there, but I think it would still surprise me at this point. I mean, unless they're just going to completely fire sale it. But I mean, Pete Carroll's what, like almost 70 now? I think over 70. I'm pretty sure he's the over oldest 70? coach in the NFL. Yeah, he's old. So does he really want to just fire sale it and rebuild at that age? The Seahawks should have fire sailed him. So I don't yes. know what they're doing. I agree. But yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't think that they get rid of Russ and DK in the same offseason with uh, that current front office and that current regime in, in place there. It really depends on if you think that Drew Locke could actually be your quarterback, then I think you want to try to get as many guys around him as possible. And all of us all of obviously depends on what you can get back for DK. You know, if, if, if the Jets give up the ninth pick, then yeah, I think you take that and you, you know, you either take a wide receiver or you trade back a little bit from there or whatever. Um, and no harm, no foul. You can probably get somebody in there. But like, if you if you think that you really want to give Drew Locke a chance, then the logic has to dictate that you want to give him that chance and not just like throw the worst band of wide receivers you can possibly assemble around him. Like, basically, do the opposite of what the, um, uh, Jacksonville did last year with the rookie quarterback. Like, yeah. don't do that. Um, get some guys that actually can play football at a decent level, and don't do what they did this off season. Get some people who can play some football at a decent level. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did you have any other faller Man, here? I really can't. Like, there's, like, super obvious ones. And, like, the everyone in the Miami backfield, like, that was already there, you know, probably loses out a little bit. Um, I think um, – and that's, like – and then, obviously, yeah, DK and Tyler Lockett. Those are big ones. I think the jury's still out. Like I could see there being a slight downtick for like a Pat Fryermuth this year, uh, who really seemed to gel with Ben Benwell last year in Pittsburgh. Um, they, yeah, there's a lot of different guys, but like there are just like obvious names or like ones that I don't really want to talk about right now. So that's kind of that's all I've got. Fair enough. Um, one other big follower that I had is uh, Cedric Wilson. He, the reason he was his stock climbed was because there was the presumption that he would be the one who resigns in Dallas. You know, everybody kind of thought Michael Gallup was going to go somewhere else. Um, you know, after not really being featured much in Dallas, you know, then Amari Cooper gets traded and then it was really looking like he was probably going to be the guy to be the wide receiver two there. If they resigned him and then all of a sudden he goes to Miami, which, okay, not bad, not bad. You know, they need somebody on the outside, they had Jalen Waddle. They don't really play the same role. That can still be a productive offense. It could still support two fantasy relevant wide receivers. Fine. He's fine. And then they bring in Tyreek Hill. Again, they don't really play the same role. But now Tyreek Hill presumptively going to be the wide receiver one in that offense. You don't bring him in and then pay him that much to not have him be the wide receiver one. Jalen Waddle, very, very explosive player. Uh, he'll probably be the two. Now Cedric Wilson's best case scenario is the wide receiver three on that offense, but Mike Kosicki's there. You know, I just, by being the wide receiver three, the, the number three or number four passing option in your own offense, in an offense that's not going to be a prolific offense. You know, this isn't going to be the Rams um, or the Bucks. So I just, I, I he, He's a guy I had a lot of hope for, and I think he's kind of right back where he was before the season started. You know, maybe a slight uptick since the very beginning of the season because, you know, you saw he could do something given the opportunity, but I don't think he's going to see the opportunity. And I think his stock has fallen throughout the course of this offseason. Yeah, why not? I'm not going to argue with you. I mean... He was worth zero, and then he was worth one. Now he's worth, what, 0.5? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, that's about where I'm at with him, too, there. So stock, still stock down. He's been on a roller coaster, though. 
this 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 whole offseason. Um I don't really have any honorable mentions for this one either. Like you said, there's just a lot of obvious names. Um I think CEH, kind of an obvious stock down. Um, but that's gonna do it for us here tonight. Um be sure to rate and review the show. You know, Spotify has the rating review system. Uh, you can always do it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, check out the family of podcasts over there. We got Chasing the Natty dropping Mondays, Campus Life Tuesdays, Debbie Debate on Wednesdays, uh, Hero RB Show with Noah Hills on Thursdays, Future Freshman Podcast from uh, Brandon Sanders on Fridays, Can't Bound this show dropping on Fridays as well. We got the Daily Draft Report dropping weekly uh, every day during the week. Dwight's doing some really cool stuff there uh, where he's doing kind of face-offs. Uh, he did a, a good one with uh, Thor Nystrom from yeah, NBC was, Sports Edge. That was a good listen, yeah. That was a really good one. Definitely recommend checking that one out. Uh, we always are dropping content over on the YouTube channel as well. We have The Official, uh, which is an analytics-based recruiting podcast, College Football Filtered. Uh, we're always reacting to news over there as well. So check out the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel, DM us a, uh, screenshot showing that you are subscribed and you'll be entered to win an autographed, uh, Kayshawn Boutte Jersey. Uh, so pretty, pretty easy way to enter in that. Um, so be sure to do that, but that is going to do it for us here tonight. As always, I'm Colin and this is Austin and have a good one.